My brothers and sisters, today in our readings, in our scripture readings, we see the theme of faith all throughout. Yet at the end of our gospel, we have this little parable that Jesus puts forward. And it's got this, uh, this little illustration that involves a servant-master relationship. And the question really at hand is, who owes who? Does the master owe the servant, or does the servant owe the master? Do we, does God owe us, or do we owe God? Okay? That's really the kind of question that is being put before us. And Jesus, implicitly, is critical of the attitude that would say, you know, God owes me. I remember I heard once, someone, not, not directly, but I heard, I heard a, a person say, they came back from Mass, and they said, Okay, I've given God my 50 minutes. Okay? As if we're doing some great big favor to God, and now God owes us. Okay? Now, in the, in a more abstract sense, in today's kind of terminology, we might say the person who has that attitude thinks more in general like life owes him something. Okay? And we use this term self-entitlement. This attitude of self-entitlement, really, really a bad Bad attitude to have. And there are exaggerated forms of this sense of entitlement, but it's really a temptation that I can fall into, that you can fall into, that we can all fall into. And uh, the remedy for it is the virtue of faith. And so we're going to, that's basically the, the homily in a nutshell here. Okay. But first, an illustration of entitlement that I think is really uh, a good one. Now, probably it's, uh, most of us here are aware of the, the classic movie that's almost 50 years old now, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory came out in 1971, okay, with Gene Wilder. And in this movie, you've got this character, Veruca Salt. And Veruca Salt is like the embodiment of self-entitlement, Okay. And uh, the movie's a little bit different than the book, but in the movie, you know, she, there's this scene there where she goes and she wants this golden goose, okay? And she does this big song and dance, you know, and she makes, she, she makes a big mess of the place and the Oompa Loompa's got to clean it up and all this kind of stuff. And she sings and she says, I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. Okay, so Veruca Salt, the embodiment of self-entitlement. Now, in the book, it's a little different, okay? It's not a, a golden goose that she wants. It's a squirrel. And this is the, the background story. So Willy Wonka, in this one department of his chocolate factory, has all of these highly trained elite squirrels who have the ability to, to uh, extract a walnut from its shell without breaking the walnuts, okay? So they're, they're a real curiosity, and Veruca Salt wants one of these squirrels. So this is the scene in the book. Hey, mommy! shouted Veruca Salt suddenly. I've decided I want a squirrel! Get me one of those squirrels! Don't be silly, sweetheart, said Mrs. Salt. These all belong... To Mr. Wonka. I don't care about that, shouted Veruca. 
I want one. All I've got at home is two dogs and four cats and six bunny rabbits and two parakeets and three canaries and a green parrot and a turtle and a bowl of goldfish and a cage of white mice and a silly old hamster. I want a squirrel! All right, my pet, Mrs. Salt said soothingly. Mummy will get you a squirrel just as soon as possible. But I don't want any old squirrel. I want a trained squirrel. I want one of those squirrels. At this point, Mr. Salt, Baruka's father, stepped forward. Very well, Wonka, he said importantly, taking out a wallet full of money. How much do you want for one of these crazy squirrels? Name your price. They're not for sale, Mr. Wonka answered. She can't have one. Who says I can't have one, shouted Baruka. I'm going in to grab you a squirrel this very minute. Don't, said Mr. Wonka quickly, but he was too late. The girl had already thrown open the door and rushed into this room, and she goes and she eyes one of the squirrels and she goes to grab it, but she does not anticipate the prowess, the strength, and the speed of these squirrels. And so they all jump on her, 24 per arm, 50 per leg. They pin her down. They drag her towards the trash disposal. And they do a little experiment on her like they do with all the nuts to see whether it's good or bad. They, one squirrel crawls up onto her head and knocks on it. And unfortunately, it's empty. She's a bad nut. So she gets tossed down the trash disposal. And as she's falling down the, the, the garbage chute, the oopaloopas come out and they sing their song and the song has a certain kind of moral to it. And what they say in there is that, you know, uh, Veruca has found a whole new set of friends. There's some bacon rind and some rancid lard, a stale loaf of bread, old liverwurst, rotten cabbage. And those are her new found friends now that she's been thrown into the garbage, okay? Now, this is humorous. Of course, I really do think that it holds a lot of... Uh, significant moral and psychological insight into this whole phenomenon of self-entitlements. You see, the person that is self-entitled ends up with a set of friends who are not too pleasant. First of all, people in general catch on to their game and uh, they don't want to associate with a person who's self-entitled. And so there's an absence of true friends in their lives. But more than an absence of true friends, they start to get a whole set of friends who are not true friends, who are not really good friends, a set of friends that no one would really want. These are friends that are really just enemies with the same taste as you have. All right, so an example that I read recently was, you know, imagine a, a crowd of, Couples who are very hoity-toity, and uh, they only drink triple-filtered water, you know. And uh, one of their number hosts a party, goes out of her way, and does all these great display, but she commits the mortal sin of not serving triple-filtered water. And suddenly, she's on the outs with the rest of her friends. And they're all speaking bad about her, Right? And she's enemy number one in their eyes. See, that's what self-entitlement gets you. It gets you a crowd of people just like yourself. And uh, 
that's not a recipe for a happy life. The self-entitled will always be dissatisfied with life because there's never going to be a sense of satisfaction. That's never going to be enough. They're always going to want more. So they're always going to feel empty. And moreover, reality is going to have a way of thwarting them constantly because it's just not going to go their way. It can't live up to the demands of the self-entitled. And this is where the virtue of faith comes in. You see, the virtue of faith, it does a lot of things for us, but one of the things it does, kind of a most, one of the most foundational things that it does, is that it brings us into contact with reality. Faith lifts our minds and our hearts up to God, who is ultimate reality. And if we live by faith in contact with God, we live within the context and the horizon of truth and of reality. And we understand the truth about ourselves and about others and about God. And everything in life comes into alignment and makes sense. And we don't have unrealistic expectations about what's, what we've got coming to ourselves. Because faith teaches us that while God has our, our best interests at heart, He hasn't promised us happiness right here and right now on our terms. While faith teaches us that God has called us to and has destined us for ultimate happiness, it also teaches us that that happiness might not be given to us right here and right now. And so when life gets tough and doesn't exactly behave according to how we'd like it to, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. And we're able, in the midst of our misfortunes and hardships and sufferings, to draw consolation from our blessed Lord himself, who was nailed to a cross and suffered the passion. And uh, this faith also teaches us to place ourselves within the world in a realistic sense, in in a sense of humility. It says, you know... I'm not any better than anybody else. This person deserves or doesn't deserve what they've got coming to them just as much as I do. I'm no better than them. And this faith also teaches us gratitude. It opens our eyes to the many gifts that God has given to us so that we focus not on what we don't have, but on what we do have. And uh, I can say, me personally, apart from, of course, the gifts that God has has given to all of us and to me through Jesus Christ, I'm very thankful for my family, for my parents. I did not deserve to be born into this family. It was just given to me. And uh, I love my parents. I love my family, my siblings, my extended family. What a blessing that I am so very grateful for. And so when I'm tempted to indulge in this uh, idea of um, self-entitlement, I think of my family. I am also very happy and very grateful that I was born in America. This is the greatest country in the world. And we can never take for granted all the things that we are given. 
Just the fact that we can wake up in a peaceful town, the fact that if we work hard, we can make it economically. All of these things are such great blessings. I'm thankful for my health. I'm not entitled to my health. My health has been given to me, I believe, so that I can serve the people of God. God could take my health away from me tomorrow, and it wouldn't be any violation of his justice. Okay, He doesn't owe it to me, and I don't deserve it. But it's a great gift that I'm very, very thankful for. I'm very thankful for my vocation as a priest. I'm very thankful to be able to serve all of you, my brothers and sisters. And so, in, in closing, my brothers and sisters, when we're tempted to indulge in that sense of self-entitlement, when we're tempted to maybe become a little Veruca salt, let's remember that God, through faith, has taught us that he loves us, that he's called us to ultimate happiness, but not, not necessarily right here and right now, and uh, that he's taught us to be humble, and that there is so much he's given to us for which we can be grateful.